Blue skies call. They seduce us, pulling us irresistibly upwards, reminding us to fly our own line, on our wings, and in life. We are the seekers, adventurers, being one with the air, feeling everything and nothing at once. That's the magic we chase. Follow the call. Find your pure wild flight with NZ Aerosports. Straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go. All right, back in the can for another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void with some familiar faces and a really cool topic of conversation that I've wanted to get into for a while, especially with these guys. So let's dive into it. Who the fuck are you guys and what do you do? Um, I'm Julian, uh, Julian Pierman. I am in charge of R&D for New Zealand Aerosports. And I've been working for this company for about 12 years, I think. Um, so it involves uh, designing new products, improving current products, dealing with issues we may have on uh, current products as well. Nice, nice. I had uh, a lot of people chomping at the bit when they found out that you were on the podcast before, uh, because obviously you're well known for some pretty uh, uh, intense canopies that are out there. One of the definite things we want to talk about now. So who next do we have? Um, my name is Chris Snell. Um, I've been with NZ Aerosports for about five years now, just coming up. Um, and I work mainly on the production side of things. Um, so that's day-to-day -day running of the factory um, and also all of the kind of new concepts that come through that Julian comes up with. Um, I also try and help uh, bolt those things together. Uh, yeah, take them out for a jump. Nice, nice. And uh, bringing up the rear, who else we got? Always from the rear. Um, I'm Chris Stewart. Cheers for that, Dave. And uh, I'm, uh, I'm the... Uh, head test jumper at NZ Aerosports, um, and currently that means just sitting in an office a lot and no jumping. But yeah, yeah I've done my intro a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. You guys just uh, uh, had another lockdown not that long ago, didn't you? Yeah, but the end is nigh because um, apparently we can travel out of our little um, imprisonment uh, mid-December. So, and jumping hopefully in a couple of weeks. Oh, that's awesome! You guys got to just be chomping at the bit. Yeah, pretty much. It's kind of like for the for the stay at home lockdown, it's kind of hard to run production when nobody's making anything. So yeah, for <laughs> sure to be back in the factory, at least. Well, now we've kind of got the the A team here, the rock stars that are, are putting out pretty much the, the cutting edge nylon into the sport now uh, between Julian and the two Chris's. We've got concept, we've got production and we've got test jumping. And I'm really curious to know, and I'm sure a lot of people are, exactly how a canopy goes from concept to sitting in my D-bag. Um, there's, I mean, I know there's a lot of shit that goes on between it. And um, if anybody is even slightly like me, we're completely oblivious to how it's really done. And I really do want to know how it's how it goes. So why don't we start, Julian, with you? 
when you start out with a concept, you know, how do these ideas come to you or to whoever they do? And how do you start taking it from just that idea? Um, it, it may vary a lot from one project to another. Um, sometime we start from uh, an idea of uh, how to improve parachutes in general. And then we uh, try to think um, on which uh, product or future product we could, we could implement this. Um, sometimes it starts from uh, a need um, uh, from the market. So a canopy that doesn't exist. And for example, when wing shooting came up, uh, there was an obvious need for um, dedicated canopy. Mm. And we tried to fill this gap. And yeah, sometimes it's just refreshing um, an existing product. So we listen to customers and to people in the field to know what we could do better, what they would like. And we start from there. Okay. So it's, it, it, uh, it comes down to people coming to you and going, Hey, we need a canopy that can do this or that or the other thing, or this kind of fits it, but it's not doing the job right. Or obviously with something like the Kraken, it's a very specialized canopy. Um, and that's just driven by desire in the sport. Um, so when that idea happens, um, Chris, at what point does production start to get involved? I mean, obviously Julian's got a lot of stuff that he's got to do for the design, but when do you start getting in there and and putting panels together and doing all that stuff? Uh, it's actually pretty early on in the process. Um, I mean, obviously Julian comes up with a design for something, but, um, it's, it's normally pretty rough around the edges to start with. Um, and obviously the conceptual designs in 3D don't always translate into being able to, to cut the panels or, or bolt them together properly. So pretty much from the beginning, we're, we're already cutting panels and, and just seeing if we can actually put the thing together, um, um, making design tweaks uh, and just relaying that information back to Julian. Um, like this work, this is hard. We'd like to try and make this more simple. Uh, sure. Nothing worse than a bag of round pegs and a bunch of square holes. So, <laughs> I, there's no doubt about that, especially when it comes to something like a parachute. Now, how did you get your start in doing this type of work? Um, I actually got my rigging ticket over in the US just as a bit of a side project, or 2013, somewhere around there, with a couple of awesome riggers down at Skydive Sebastian. Um, and I just kind of did it just as a, a something to learn. I never really thought that it would, would get me anywhere. Um, and then, yeah, traveled to New Zealand about eight years ago. Uh, got, found a job packing at a drop zone. It's actually down in Topol. Um, and then moved up to the Bay of Islands, where I spent a couple of years working at uh, Skydive Bay of Islands. Nice. And, yeah, just doing a, a lot of the rigging work around the drop zone. Um, but as with any skydive job, it kind of got a little bit too uh, weather dependent. Winters are pretty slow. Uh, you must know that from uh, being over here. Sure. Um, so, yeah, it's just kind of looking for a, a bit more of a full time job and kind of got told never make any money in skydiving unless it's got a tandem rating. So I was like, fuck that. Yeah. I think. <laughs> so, um, yeah, kind of, I knew a lot of people at Aerosports anyway. So I just kind of moved into a a more natural progression to to get more into to rigging type stuff like I really enjoy the equipment side of stuff um nice you know yeah. it's it's funny from the outside looking in it seems to be a real theme with NZ Aerosports that it's a collection of people that had no uh idea that they were going to end up doing what they're doing <laughs> 
exactly. It's kind of like a it's the center of a whirlpool, uh, whirlpool, and kind of everyone swells around and it just gets smashed together. This awesome it, team. It's funny though. Uh, I mean, though, because I've talked to a number of different people. Um, all three of you, I think, had no intentions of going into the type of work that you're doing, um, but you've ended up being at the top of the field. I mean, NZ Aerosports is cutting edge shit, you know, and I mean, here you are guys, you know, basically leading the way, all of which had no plan of doing this kind of thing, it, it, which is cool to me. It says a whole lot about NZ Aerosports that they're thinking well outside of the box in regard to where they're pulling their, their talent from. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm still on my five month sabbatical from my uh, office job in the UK, which is about 20 years ago. <laughs> That sounds like a pretty proper sabbatical. <laughs> and Mr. Mr. Stewart, the last time we talked to you, you were like burning shit down and, and breaking stuff at boogies and, and all of this. How standard. Yeah, yeah normal <laughs> stuff for you. Um, when when do you get involved uh, in regard to this part of the, the whole process? Are you looking over shoulders as they're starting to cut panels and put things together and, and tossing out ideas? Or are you waiting until they've got you actually testing this stuff? Well, I, I guess from the start, from when, because we, we generally have a, like a fortnightly catch up together. And um, especially when it's new concepts, like Julian will like we'll we'll help come up with the decision of what we're going to be making. Julian mm. obviously makes it, but we all get to have an eye in as it goes, just to see. Even if for the most part I don't understand what Julian's doing, I get to see the pictures and think that looks fast. But um, <laughs> we we kind of we get we're all get to see it from the start. Julian obviously is the um, we're all kind of part of it all the way through, I guess. But Julian's the main part at the start. Um, Snelly is quite involved. I think he didn't give himself credit there with Julian at the start as well. Like he's been getting a lot more involved in um, some of the designing stuff as well and coming up with ideas to, to pitch to Julian, which is really cool. So Snelly's kind of uh, become this perfect middleman of, he, he has a, a rough idea of what Julian's doing, but then also works directly with the sewers. So he's pretty invaluable in that respect. Mm. Um, and then I, I've been uh, sort of hovering over Snelly recently as well, just seeing um, what he does, because obviously I come just from a full-time skydiving background. So I'm just, give me parachute, make me jump. Sure. Um, but it's nice to start being involved in a little bit. So I get to see uh, most of the process, whether I understand all of it fully is a different question. But um, basically, from the time we start putting panels together, uh, you know, we start talking about um, sort of ideas on what we think it's going to, how it's going to perform. We never know until we actually jump it. But on paper, we have a rough idea. Um, and then once we're in the full swing of things and we've actually got it rigged and QC'd, we're good to go. Uh, and Snelly's a big part of that too. Like he's, he can't come test jumping quite as much as me, um, but he does come out uh, like when, when we are jumping, usually one day a week, uh, which is really, I think, um, pretty handy when you have someone who's, who's part of building the canopy and actually helping the processes that go into it and helping the, the ladies who, who put it together and understanding what's working and what's not. He gets to see it and under, under canopy, it's nice. I have my, I guess my point of view under canopy is I'm looking for performance. I'm trying to feel every niggle that it has, mm. but I'm not the mechanic. I didn't put it together. So Snelly in some respects is, which means when he's under canopy and looking at it, he kind of gets to see it from a different eye. So I feel like um, obviously between the three of us, it's a bit cliche to say, but we all kind of uh, complement each other in that respect. You know, I've, sure. I've got, the most jumping experience, but that doesn't necessarily mean I know how the parachute gets put together the best, which is definitely, sure. you know, not true. 
So that's yep. it's it's kind of um we've I guess we've all got uh, a look in all the way through, and then Julian's overseeing everything from the start to the finish, and then my main main portion is obviously the end when when the fun stuff happens, as long as I, it's not scary. For sure. For, well, I think it's really kind of cool that you mentioned Snelly. You do test jumping as well, um, which is it, it kind of falls into an adage in aviation. For me, I don't ever want to fly an airplane that the mechanic doesn't want to ride in. <laughs> <laughs> so the fact that you're out jumping as well says a lot for your faith or your daring in regard to what you do. But I mean, have you ever saddled out under a canopy that you've built going, all right, shit. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, like, I, although I'm definitely a big part of the, the production team, we actually have like some amazing talent out on the production floor. So can't take all the credit for, for putting things together. I've got distinctly average sewing skills, but um, <laughs> we've got some incredibly talented people that help us out. Um, so big thanks to those guys. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Um, jumping something that you've literally just been part of putting together, uh, taking out. Like I don't have as much experience as Stewie um, when it comes to the skydiving portion. Um, so I actually leave kind of a lot of the first jumps uh, on a new prototype to Stewie, he's definitely more uh, apt on that. Um, sure. But once he gives a kind of couple of jumps on it, gives me the nod on the wink, then uh, I'll take it for a jump. Um, but yeah, it's nice to be under canopy. Obviously, like when you're putting something together in the factory, you can't really tell what it's going to actually look like, um, other than the, the picture that Julia might have sent me from the from the CAD software. So it's nice to actually sit under it and go, mm, yes. Sure. Bit of a crease there, a bit of a flat there. So um, I'm definitely looking more from a, a putting it together side of things and hucking a, a, a big swoop on it uh, straight out the gate. For sure. Well, and I would imagine it's a it's a completely different set of eyes. Obviously, uh, as Chris said, he's he's looking for performance. You're looking at the way it's built and, and Julian seeing the entire picture. Now, we all know which canopies have been put out that are performers and have done really well. I want to hear about one that was complete shit. <laughs> what I want to hear about a disaster that looked good and it got all the way to being put together and, you know, scared the shit out of the test jumper, just did not do anything that you thought it was going to do. I want a good story. Take it away, Julian. Um, I think we have a pretty famous one. Um, it's called, it was called CC one at the time. Um, I don't think the two Chris's were involved um, much back then, but uh, it was called CC1 for concept car number one. And the idea was to put all the innovation we have been working on on one canopy. Okay. And there are things that we understand now, but we didn't at the time. And this canopy was flying super, super fast, but was collapsing um, all the time. And I think two test jumpers that were testing at the time um, stopped uh, after this. <laughs> so we ended up having no um, no test jumper. No test jumper. One moved to Norway, and the other one stopped skydiving. So <laughs> that was a bit of a disaster. Holy it was shit! Fast. It was fast. You made two guys quit their chosen profession and move and quit the sport. Man, that's pretty intense. That story, Julie, that was Malachi, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Shout out to Malachi. So he, he came over and he showed me that video. 
And I think he's understating when he says it's fast, Dean. Basically, he released the brakes and it went from regular horizon, like, you know, a regular right. picture. And he has the camera on his belly. And then it goes from, he releases the brake and it goes from that. And it looks like the angle is pretty much uh, head down. Like the canopy just drives and then is basically flying straight towards the ground. Oh, it's, Jesus. It's terrifying. <laughs> I did not work for Aerosports then and I was okay with it. So it had an anti-recovery arc. Pretty much, yeah. It was Gee. super aggressive. Now, I mean, it's got to be, as Julian, when you're putting stuff like that together, well, all, all three of you guys, it's got to be um, a bit nerve-wracking. If you're the one that's designed it and put it together and you look up in the sky to see the test jumper clearly getting his head handed to him, it's got to be really scary if you're if you're seeing it without being under it. I mean, Julian, you must get nervous when these guys start initially jumping new canopies. Yeah, of course. Um, in, in this case, I was not in the drop zone, uh, so I didn't see it live, but I've seen uh, thing, things going wrong live uh, a couple of times too, and it is really scary. I would not say it's worse than being under the canopy itself. I prefer to see it and be scared from far. But... <laughs> <laughs> That's why you live in Spain. It's definitely you know. not a comfortable situation. So in that particular instance, what was causing the canopy to do that? Obviously, without getting too technical. Um, we, we modified the, the inlets um, on the nose, on the leading edge. And um, because we saw in the CFD in simulation software, uh, so CFD stands for computational fluid dynamics, and it simulated the airflow on the canopy. Mm. We, we, we knew that there was something to do around the inlet to improve the performance. So we did. We made this change, um, which uh, dramatically increased the performance. But we did not um, change the trim of the canopy. Mm. So, so the canopy ended up having much less drag and fly faster and faster until it it went faster than the pilot itself. So it started driving. <laughs> um, so it it required to to change the trim at the same time. Um, and the shame is that the canopy has been retrimmed a bit flatter since, but weirdly enough, nobody has been wanting to jump it again. So <laughs> it's still sitting on the shelf um, with the flatter trim, brand new line set, and waiting for someone to jump it. Stewie, what the fuck? Yeah, well, due to our new health and safety, I'm the only one who can actually jump it. And I'm not sure I'm just ready for that. <laughs> it, it is sitting there we i remember when we moved factories recently i bagged it up and um it's it's set safely in a box at the back of a shelf in a storage container is there is that a jump you uh you make when you've got other employment opportunities for when you retire <laughs> i think that's a jump i make when um when i get a bonus incentive fair enough fair <laughs> enough uh, well no, it just be a big uh, incentive uh, the yeah, fact I that you said the, go go ahead go ahead so I was going to say, I think that's one that um, I don't even think Julian's asked me to jump it. I know the modification's been made and I know we've spoken about it, but no one's actually asked me. So in my defense, I'm not saying no. I just haven't been asked. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I mean, that might be the next uh, podcast. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so, well, the fact that he says that the nylon is going faster than the pilot. I mean, fucking hell. I can't even wrap my head around that. That's that's some intense shit right there. 
Yeah, it's pretty, I guess the thought of it, it's uh, when it's funny, actually, when we talk about, because um, we've got a couple of uh, sort of Petra-esque prototypes sitting at the factory and they're waiting to be jumped, um, which will get some people excited, I guess. Mm. There is, it's a long way away if you're listening. Um, <laughs> there's your disclaimer, Julian, I've got you covered. Um, <laughs> but the people, I guess they see the end product, you know, so you see like Petra now and it's a weapon and it's, it's fucking amazing. And it's mm. so good to fly. And it's so, it's so stable. We can take it terminal. It's a beast. But I think I've spoken on the, when I've been on the, on the show previously about how people like Attila jumped the prototypes before Petra and they were fucking terrifying. Mm. Like that video of Attila getting wrapped up in the canopy from it collapsing. So I think some people, um, forget sometimes that when the product's released to get it to that point there might have been some scary moments and there's definitely some moments where you know you're about to jump out of the plane and you're puckering up a bit that's the thing too right i mean uh, uh, from all three ends between the concept of production and, and the jumping there's a lot of nerves that go into putting a new canopy together i mean it's Obviously, skydiving is a pretty intense sport regardless, but you guys are like pushing it big time when you're literally scaring everyone involved with just one jump. You know, I mean, um, when you're putting these things together and you've come up with the concept and, and it ends up being something like Petra, I think you're right. People don't see uh, or don't even think about what it took to get there. So that's one of the reasons that I think this is such a great talk and a great topic. So people have an idea of exactly what goes into putting out a parachute that can perform like the Petra. I have one I'm nice thing, I guess, so. is... Sorry, you go. All right, sorry. Uh, yeah, I was going to say one nice thing, though, is uh, I guess we can all learn from previous projects um, and, and test jumping, like anything that produced a scary result always goes on a big list of uh, things not to do in the future. So I actually mm. feel like the, the more prototypes we make the more variety of canopies we make the more we learn oh absolutely uh, those things that make it scary so it's i want to say test jumping feels safer than it used to but um i definitely <laughs> feel like uh <laughs> we're um yeah progressing in a way that that does make it safer by okay we we know where some of the limits are we're not, we're not going to go play over there anymore um, sure well i have a tough time yeah. wrapping my head around being able to um, go from the very beginning of something like the Petra and coming up with the idea um, now with the computer systems and the CAD programs and all that, but I can't wrap my head around how they could manage to design parachutes before all these computer systems. It was sew it up and jump the fucking thing, which is yeah. mind blowing to me. Yeah. And, and it, it was really hard. I, I have to say, I don't really know how they were doing it neither. But there was also a period where innovation was much slower because of this. So there was a lot of copying and changing the color of the line tabs. And um, so there was a really innovative period at the beginning where to, to, to make it work, um, they had to try many different things. But then once they had something that was working, there was a period that was a bit less um, innovative or not at the same pace and nowadays with the the simulation with the all the tools we have um it, it goes much faster so for sure it's now when it comes to the production side of things about how long from the time you get the concept from julian does it take to knock up um a working prototype 
Um, when we've got the dedicated resources, it's actually a pretty short turnaround. Um, obviously, we've got a, a quite a long lead time at the moment, but we actually save space in production for, for prototyping. Um, so we don't want to slow down, uh, slow down on that kind of thing. Um, once I've got the concept, like getting the pack from starting to cut the panels through to uh, maybe a bit of back and forth with Julian with some questions, we can normally turn a prototype around uh, in less than a week. Wow. Um, if everything's running smoothly, um, obviously there's uh, conversations back and forth with the machinist and with the QC team, because obviously if it's um, not a final product, there isn't the, the actual finished spec sheet to work from to say, yep, that's good, that's good. Um, so there's definitely a lot of involvement to say, yeah, that's the new um, kind of idea or concepts that we're trying on this canopy to, to work through the QC stage. But yeah, it can, if everything's running pretty smooth, normally about a week, uh, we can get it from cutting to, to ready to rig. Now, Chris, how do you feel about that when uh, you've been handed a canopy that was just an idea a week before <laughs> and now you're, you're being asked to go jump it? No, I mean, it's like, it's like what Julian said, just with how, how much quicker we can progress now it's um it's good i i would rather it if it goes from being a concept to being made and we're happy with it in a short space of time it means there were less hiccups um sometimes we might have one that it goes through and it starts getting put together and it's like uh, that doesn't work and um, we need to go back to julian to see if he can uh, figure out how these panels should go together or make a change to the design then we we kind of get this um franken zombie which isn't isn't the worst either but if it goes from you know a to b nice and smoothly then, and depending on the design of the canopy, you know, what level it's at, it's, you know, I trust everyone that works on it. So I've, I feel more than comfortable jumping there. And if it goes in such a quick um, period, like I said, it just means uh, everything's gone sort of to plan and we're quite happy with it. So pretty comfortable, to be honest. Awesome. Awesome. Now, in regard to the production, that's one of the things that I don't know a whole lot about. Uh, obviously, this has got to be, it's it's an extremely specialized uh, production line that you're going through. You, it's got to be so, so precise. So what goes into actually building one of these canopies? How are you cutting the, the cloth? How are you laying it out? How is it being sewn? Um, bizarrely, it's actually not too dissimilar from a production canopy. Um, it's actually just, uh, like I say, um, I'll try and follow the canopy around from, from all the stages. Like I can definitely, I know more about the kind of the line making cutting side of things and rigging and quality control. But um, uh, obviously a lot of the hard work is, is in the sewing. So we actually have a couple of people, um, well, We've got very capable people, but uh, generally we just have a couple of people working on prototypes. Um, so I actually get a lot of feedback from the machinists. Like I'm, I'm definitely no um, high-end machinist uh, when it comes to sewing. So actually getting feedback from the people that are putting our, our, our production canopies together every day um, is super, super valuable. So a lot of the amendments that come up or, or, or little tweaks or changes to the the cut file actually comes from the people making it. It's, I, can, I definitely can't take credit for, for all of those. I just kind of put the list together, like uh, relay it back to Julian, uh, get the tweaks made. Um, but yeah, so although I'm kind of coordinating things on production, um, I'm actually relying a lot on the skill of the people um, on the production floor. Okay. Okay. Um, and hey, guys, hang on just a second. I seem to have an issue with the recording going on. Hang on.
All right. Technical fuck ups aside, uh, we were talking about (laughs) production um, and uh, how you're building these canopies, because I'm curious. I I know sewing. Sewing is me trying to sew up the crotch of a worn out pair of shorts with a needle and thread. This is obviously not that. So what goes into putting these parachutes together? Yeah, so I guess it's maybe a little bit more than that. But um, yeah, I guess uh, obviously a, a, a canopy starts life as a roll of fabric sitting under the cutting table. Mm. Um, so we'll, we'll get the cut file that's been designed, lay the fabric out, um, use a, a CNC uh, cutting machine. So it basically goes around, it plots all the, the marks on the canopy and then follows around with the hot knife to, to cut the panels out. Um, so once it goes from there, uh go, heads off to to one of our machinists um they they work their magic there's about uh, anything from 12 to to 17 hours of just sewing uh on the canopy wow give you some kind of idea um depending on its complexity so obviously there's there's a myriad of, of different bits and pieces that goes into the sewing stage um but we have uh kind of running in parallel with that we've got uh, a really awesome uh, lines and rigging team so their kind of uh, department is is building the line set for the canopy um, and then once the canopy has been sewn together we do one of our quality control checks make sure everything's good for the sewing um, once that's been done uh, goes off to the lines and rigging team that line set that they've just made will get put put onto the canopy uh, and assembled uh, and then that's when it kind of come back through to our QC team and they do a final measure and, and double check of everything that's on the canopy. So there's, there's quite a few um, QC stages involved in, in the building of the parachute. Obviously we wanna um, make sure everything's good, but anything that we do need to maybe uh, touch up on or, or correct, we, we pick it up early enough uh, in the process that it doesn't cause too many problems down the line. I mean, yeah. I always, I always looked at a, a completed canopy, and the first time I ever looked into a um, a, a rigid wing with uh, all the airlocks and all the different chunks of cloth that go into this, and the ribs and the top skin and bottom skin, and it's dizzying how much cloth there actually is, and all the thread that's involved. I mean, quality control must be insane because you've got. I mean, depending obviously on the canopy, so many different parts that have to be sewed together. It's pretty intense. Yeah, we're, we're actually quite lucky. Our QC team, um, we've got a couple of people that are kind of grown up in-house, but we've also got a couple of guys that are uh, really experienced, come from really experienced rigging background. Um, so even before they got to Aerosports, they had a, a incredible knowledge of canopies and, and how they're put together. Um, so it really helps us with the, like it's one of the, the jobs in-house that takes a very long time to, mm. to kind of gain the experience to to come up in that area but like i say we've been blessed with some uh, some awesome people um coming from experienced background so that really helps that's awesome well and i mean just as a team too you guys have been working together long enough that you've kind of gelled i know chris especially being uh at the kind of the end of the production line and, and starting that test jumping um i'm sure you want to have a whole lot of faith in the team that's handing you this nylon that you're going to get out and jump especially when it's the really high performance stuff because everybody's seen videos where it goes from happy to holy shit in the blink of an eye i mean it can get pretty intense so there's a, there's got to be a lot of faith in that team yeah 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, one of the things is, as Snelly was talking, um, and you hear kind of all the different processes, it kind of uh, brings to light that we are, you know, three <coughs> people, part of a, a very big team, you know, like we sure. all, everyone plays a, a key role. Obviously, designing a canopy is what people think of first and like who designed it and that sort of stuff. And then we get who jumped it and and that sort of thing. But the the team all the way through, you know, like we've got the boys making the lines and you know, I trust them. I don't ever second guess anyone's anyone's work. I trust the guys checking the the quality control guys. And then we've got the amazing ladies making and, and putting the canopies together. And it's quite funny actually. It makes it made me think of um there's been a couple of times uh when I've left and and the ladies know that I'm going to jump the canopy that, that I've put together and they give me like a nervous, a nervous good luck. And I'm I kind of look at them, I'm like, I wouldn't jump it if I didn't trust you. So I completely trust the entire team and everyone that, you know, puts puts their heart and soul into making each canopy. And especially when it's a prototype. And I think it's really cool for everyone involved that, you know, they got to be a part of something that went from, you know, Julian's concept and his crazy French mind to something that, you know, I'm jumping or Snelly's jumping. So obviously, yeah, com- complete trust. And like I said, I wouldn't jump something if I didn't have faith in, in, the, in the prototype or the team that put it together. Sure. Now, that being said, there's also the human factor, though. I mean, everybody makes mistakes. Uh, I make more mistakes in a day than I possibly want to admit to. There's got to be mistakes that can get through all the quality control all the way down the line. I mean, have you ever had any issues where you're like, wait a second, by the time it's gotten to jumping and stuff that's happened like that? Yeah, I mean, let's not mistake complete tr- like trusting the team with um, perfection. They're two completely different things. I trust them. It doesn't mean we're all perfect, myself right. included. So there has been a, a, a couple ones. I've, I've I've never actually cut away from a prototype in um, in my five six years at, at Aerosports. So some people are quite shocked by that, but I think it kind of goes back to what Julian was saying. You know, the the technology that we have to build these canopies now is so much more advanced than pen and paper that a lot of um, the information that we need is is kind of done before it's even built. So we we have a pretty rough, you know, a decent idea that this, this should fly. Um, we just need to figure out how well. But that being said, um, yeah. there is a reason I get a little bit nervous before I jump sometimes, and it's a good nervous. I quite I quite enjoy it. But for example, the high performance canopies like Petra. Um, when uh, you know we're jumping sub seventies as a prototype, and Julian's made a little modification, and on the on the um, Petras when we jump them on anything high performance on all canopies actually, but specifically the Petras when we or that style of canopy, that level of canopy, when uh, we do a test jump, the first test jump is done from altitude because we need maximum time on that wing. Sure. Um, to, to make sure you know I've got basically on the first jump is me deciding is doing control inputs and deciding. Am I going to land this or am I going to cut it away? Now, I I will jump out and there's been a few occasions when that canopy's open higher, it might react a little bit differently than it does lower. Sure. So you're jumping a 67 Petra concept and you jump out, you open, the opening's a bit of a slammer, but that's all right. It was subterminal. You'll get through it. And then, and then you move on and you release the brakes and it starts doing this weird jellyfish thing. And you're like, God, I hope it doesn't do this for too long. I need to, I'm supposed to pull on a front riser at some point to make sure it doesn't collapse. Right. So there has been a couple of situations, um, you know, the, the, especially when we're building something that's so small, a millimeter out here and there can, can change the wing drastically over the sure. whole scope of it. So 
Um, I have, <laughs> I say with a nervous laugh, jumped a couple where I'm like, not supposed to do that. I'm pretty sure that's not part of the design. <laughs> um, but I, I do, I do my control checks, and then you know, if if I decide it's straight to land, uh, it's safe to land without pushing the shit out of it. I'll, I'll land it, which has been. Um, my judgment's been very good, except one time, um, which was on a Petra concept. Uh, this is a this is a good one for error through the chain. Uh, I was I was jumping this canopy, and it and it felt it, it did it was stable um, when I was checking it around five grand, but there was no no turbulence, so this was being jumped on a hot day. Okay, and I think this video has actually been released. It's on um, one of our little testy videos. And basically, it was all good. The, the canopy was flying safe. But I was like, okay, I'm just going to do like a little 90 um, and just toggles, basically. Just come in nice and safe and straight. And as I got lower, I was uh, with my setup pattern. I was flying over some hangers. And there was a bit of heat rising off them. So now I had thermal turbulence. And the canopy did a little buffet. And I was like, well, I didn't do that before. And I meant now I'm at like 1,500 feet. There's no turning back. You know, sure. I've committed to this landing. And then I, I, I remember I was going over the swoop pond. I wasn't swooping the pond, but I was, um, my base leg was going over it and the canopy pretty much fully collapsed at around 1,200 feet. And then I managed to get it, like it got, it, it was just for a very brief second and then it came back and then I came straight in and then on the video, I have a belly cam, you can see me. I'm nervous, obviously, after that. Um, I would keep it together and I land and I just like slide in on my bum, no harm, no foul. And I was like, what the, is this canopy so far on the edge? What the fuck's going on with it? Right. So Julian, we go back, we give Julian the feedback and um, he gets to look at it and then he figures out there's an issue with the line set. So it shouldn't have actually been jumped anyway, like the way it was. But that canopy went all the way through the system. So it does show you that, you know, it, it, there, there can be sometimes holes in the cheese, but uh, sure. that, that that's probably my scariest one. And I think Julian might he can touch on that more to to say what happened, maybe. Yeah, in the end, there was a mistake in the in one of the formula in Excel, and which we used to design the line set, and and so it because it's so early in the process, in it's in the design, um, uh, it's when we design something it can actually go through uh, many quality control stages without being noticed because if the design I, I give um, and everything is made according to this design, um, they cannot do better at the quality control to say, yeah, it's matching their, the, the way it should be designed, sure. the way it should be made. So they have no way to, to see a mistake like this. So actually since that, um we uh chris uh, chris now uh, got more involved into really early uh, i guess we can call it quality control as well and looking at um even the excel sheets uh, the some of the formulas um looking at the changes that were made see if they make sense uh, trying different size um for for this canopy to see if anything looks weird when scaled up scaled down uh, etc so we're improving but um it's sometimes it's really hard to to see something that is deep in a formula in a spreadsheet <laughs> sure well it's like not... staring at the it's like staring at the matrix sometimes it's like formulas that are like five feet long you're trying to like okay trying to spot mistakes and errors 
Well, that's the thing, right? I mean, I I come from a skydiving culture that you you have your rig, you go jump out of an airplane, you do this, you do that, you do the other, and you don't put a lot of thought. My generation certainly didn't put a lot of thought in what went into it. You know, I mean, the canopies that were coming out um, were starting to really be innovative canopies, like when the Velocity first came out with PD years and years and years ago. Um, But the stiletto, which I think is before all your guys' time, uh, when that initially came out, um, I still had no idea what went into the production of a canopy like that. And it just seems to have gotten more and more advanced since then, dramatically so. Yeah, I mean, uh, um, for sure. Actually, funny you say the stiletto. That was the first canopy I ever owned. Really? The old oversteer. Yeah, like I'm st- I've, I've stopped doing an input. Oh, no, I'm still turning. How good. Let's go. Yep, um, the old spin. Yeah, this, you know, that's what it was described to me as. I remember getting that canopy when I was a new jumper, just thinking like, wait, what's the nickname of this canopy? What the, why did I buy this? Um, but, no, no, good, good times. I've, I've seen the light since then, so I'm good now. Well, and it was cutting uh, edge back then. Yeah, but I guess like when you when you think about it, everything is cutting edge for the time you're in. Sure. So so we're kind of at that, that process. I think the other thing as well that goes that we've kind of come across with um, the canopies and Julian as well to improve on something like the Petra. It was such a leap and bound with him and um, Gyro working on that, that now you're kind of, you're in competition with yourself almost, would you say, Julian? Like we're, we're trying to like, not to sound, you know, to anyone listening that we're better than everyone, but we are better than everyone. And um, we're, we're trying to outdo ourselves all the time. And I guess Julian, in this in this specific instance, uh, you're trying to outdo your own designs. So I guess you could touch on how how that is sometimes because <laughs> you are trying to beat yourself. Yeah, I guess with um, Petra has been around for a while now, and um, and yeah, we we trying to we're trying to to make a, a new version, and we're trying many things, um, but yeah, we realize. Um, we realized that we got lucky in some aspect because there were some really good aspects of the design that we did not fully understand at the time that were working really well. But now we're trying to improve it. It's not that easy. Um, there's still a huge margin of improvement, but we need to, we need to go find them. I think it's uh, uh, I, I, honestly, I, my hat's off to you for that last comment, because I don't think there a lot of people would admit, yeah, we just kind of got lucky with some of this shit. We had no idea <laughs> that it was going to work as good as it did. But obviously, it's those kind of happy mistakes um, that are either positive or negative when you're flying that seem to lead to these innovations. Because if it was up to guys like me, a new parachute wouldn't have come out in the last 20 years. <laughs> there, you know, I mean, it just you guys are the ones that are driving it forward because I don't personally see how you could make something more effective than Petra. And I've never jumped one. I only watch it and it scares the shit out of me. Uh, So, I mean, what do you look at when you see something like the Petra and as amazing as it performs, how do you look at that and go, eh, we can do better. Well, with, with the CFD and simulation software, um, either structural or, or fluid dynamics, we can see a lot more than anyone can see in, in real life. Sure. You can look at the, the flow at any point, the pressure on the surface, uh, inside. You can, you can look at how the fabric stretches here or there. And, and you can try things really quickly. 
um, what if I put this reinforcing more this shape? Uh, how is it going to work? So, so we get to see much more um, than than the customers or the jumpers can see. Sure. Uh, so it's it's much easier to get ideas uh, to of of what to change. Nice. Um, I, I also want to say that the the process is really iterative. Um, so on on the product uh, from the jumper perspective you, you you see big steps in innovation and and in design but internally we go um smaller or bigger but uh always in iteration mm. and so we're, we're seeing earlier that uh it starts with me and doing the design then goes to chris now doing the production of the prototype then uh stewie is going to jump it but this is not the linear process of designing a product. We go through this as a cycle, as an iteration, maybe 20, 50 times um, to, to design a, a given product. Sure. So by, sure. by, by then we have, we have time to, to learn a lot about each aspect of the parachute and, and, to, and, and to see a lot. Nice. So well, now- a different experience. I know, and and the, this question is probably a stupid one to some degree, but uh, I mean, where do you see, is there a line out there that, all right, this is as far as we're going to get? I mean, obviously, as far as innovation goes, you're always looking to continue to innovate in regard to safety and reliability, but do you guys see um, kind of a brick wall in regard to performance? I, Julian, I don't. I'm, I'm, I think it's, uh, it's infinite. Um, if you look at other sports or other industries, uh, especially industries where they have a lot of money to do a lot of uh, research and development, you, you see it's endless. If you look at cars um, and you look at how the, the, the engines have been improved for maybe 100 years, um, you, you can see that there's always something to, to improve, something sure. new. And then there are big steps that are uh, hard to predict, and we don't know how the big disruptions um, are going to come. But it might be a new, totally new fabric. It might be a new, yeah, new material, new tool to design, um, or a, a brand new idea uh, coming from from someone. But I think there's work for a few centuries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it was kind of, Dean, kind of like what you were saying before about like when the stiletto was out, it, at the time, you, it's, it's hard to imagine going beyond what what you think is the most advanced product or, or whatever it will be at the time. I think like a good way to look at it is just to see the evolution of tunnel flying. People have learned how to do things, uh, you know, better. So when the first wind tunnels came out, people were just, you know, ordering pizzas and delivering pizzas all the time. Yep. And now that that technique is so refined and so different. So especially like, I guess you can be limited by the technology of your time, but it's that's always advancing. So where sure. it will go is, is going to be insane. But well, now I know we're that, going to be uh, eventually. Yeah. In, I, in I know, canopy flying. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Well, no, what you guys need to start working on is the Star Trek um, automatic repacking parachute. Oh, see that movie where the thousands place. of people out of a job <laughs> yeah fair enough but man you push a button and the parachute's back on your back i mean come on yeah that would be yeah, pretty that would be cool awesome. now that um, would make us rich yeah right 
Now, in regard to um, the materials as well, one of the big innovations that came up not that long ago, well, I guess it was a while ago now, but am I correct in saying that that was the sailcloth, the really rigid cloth? Yeah, that, that was um, actually the material in itself is not that recent. It's used in skydiving because it's coming from paraglider. It's just um, a fabric that they use for paragliding. Um, but the way to use it on our canopies uh, is definitely a bit more recent. And to manage to get that working, uh, given the constraint of our sports, which is mainly the opening, mm. um, is, is the innovation in itself. The material has been has been around. It's just a different coating on the on the nylon, but yeah, making it work on our canopies uh, to get the performance out of it is is definitely a bit newer. Now, when you're talking about the higher performance canopies, the really high end stuff, and the competition canopies, what's the difference between um, a regular high performance canopy and a competition canopy in regard to um, the production and the materials and and stuff? I, I think the difference is the um, compromise. Um, if you look at high performance canopy, um, like the layer, you you need to compromise on some things because you you want the good openings, you want you want it to last really long, you want it to pack small. So you have a whole bunch of criteria that you're trying to match at the same time, and and this is not easy. But when you go to competition. Um, people don't care if they have to jump with a big uh, rig, if it opens average, if, and so you can, you can play much more mm. and you don't have to compromise as much. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the things, again, not being a, um, a competitive canopy pilot, um, hearing the competitors talk about uh, harder openings and, and all the different things that they have given up, but obviously they're happy to do it for that extra performance. Um, so when you're talking your daily jumping canopies, though, where does the line with news with the NZ Aerosports, where does it go up to that? It's okay. These canopies are all good for the daily jumper that's shooting video and this and that. And here on is the hardcore competition stuff. Where does the line go? I think maybe, uh, Stu, you can say more on this, but um, I think we we have a saying that some of our canopies are um, for every day, but not for everyone. So, <laughs> so even Petra, you can drop it every day uh, if you want to, and, but th that is if you have the skill. Mm. So all the canopies are good to be used intensively um, and they will perform every day, but... If, if you are the person to, to, to pilot it. Sure. Yeah. Well, and, and Stewie, I, I, I was kind of aiming at, um, where's that line for, uh, I'm going to end up, uh, you know, if I'm jumping a canopy that's got stiffer openings every day that you're competing in, as opposed to going out and shooting video, uh, is that, uh, the Petra forward or, and then the Leia back is the, the guys that are out shooting video. Yeah. So, so like, I think we, the layer you kind of, certainly in a way can be described as like, you know, the everyday working Petra, so okay. to speak, you know, you, you get, you get that performance, but like Julian was talking about before, it's, it's um, you compromise performance, but you get better openings. You get something that's easy to pack. You get better longevity out of the material. So that's your, your compromise. 
I know people that jump Petra's um, for work. This is how we were talking about, um, you know, got a couple of things lucky. Petra opens awesome. As long as it's not ridiculously loaded, it opens really nice terminal. And that's just one of those things where it was like, awesome. That's uh, what, what, how, how fortunate that this is how this has worked out. So you can, but then it just comes down to what you're willing to compromise um, on, you know, okay, I'm going to rag out my competition Petra because I prefer jumping at everyday fun jumping, which mm. means I'm going to have to buy another wing, you know, in the space of a year. Uh, and everyone knows if you know how expensive they are, it's not, it's not a cheap skydiving uh, sort of option. No, But I think um, in terms of like the other style of canopies from, from when I, when we test it and with Snelly as well, we'll we might jump something and be like, uh, we had some prototypes a while ago and they were non cross brace. They were kind of sort of to be this, you know, the bridge between something like crossfire and a cross brace canopy. And um, we were jumping them and it was like, I got to jump a couple of the older ones and, and they were weapons and you'd land and you're like, that was awesome. That is not appropriate for the person we're aiming it for <laughs> because it's just, it's yeah, it's non cross brace. So for, you know, how a lot of um, federations, their, their rules will be like, you can't jump a cross brace canopy. It's like, well, here's a non cross brace canopy that performs as well as one. Right. So um, from a test jumping point of view, when we get prototypes and things like that, one of our jobs is to, it, it's a weird thing to say, but sometimes Snelly and myself will come back to Julian and be like, it, it dives too much. It's a little too quick. It's, it's too, good. too good. Dial it back. Yeah, we need to dial this one back. So, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting one when we get that in, in the R&D. So now to be a little bit more on the technical side, Julian, when they come to you and say, dial this back, or we want a little more performance out of this, what, what do you have an initial thing that you look to, to adjust or change? I mean, how big are the differences between a, a mid-range performance canopy and high-end canopy in regard to design? Um, it's, it's much easier to dial something back than to push the limit. So when we are when we are designing a product that is more mid-range, um, we we know a bit what parameters we can play with. We can play with the platform. We can play with the 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 trim, uh, making it steeper or flatter. We can try to to change a little bit the raw sensitivity um, by by changing the. Um, the line set or the the lobe of the canopy so so we have these parameters and and we know how to play with them by now um as, as i was saying when it when it gets much compli more complicated is when when you play with many different uh, criterias and for example for the for the kraken uh, we had like uh, what we wanted to do is something lighter that that last longer than the competition that opens better but also flares good mm. and it's easy to make canopy that flares well one that is uh, light and packed small one that lasts longer um, when it becomes uh, challenging is when you're trying to do everything at the same time hmm. and i would imagine that's just a matter of kind of going one step at a time do you dial one area in and go okay we've got that now we need to adjust it fix this or are you literally just going nope we needed to do all of this at the same time um no we, we tend to work on different aspects a bit separately um we will work on the flare let's say um because we we notice that the this prototype is not flaring well enough so we will focus on this which means working on the brakes 
configuration on the trim and on the profile of the canopy. Um, and then we move on to openings. Um, to So we'll change different things like the slider, like the, the plan form. And, and it, it can work like this. And sometimes, unfortunately, some design parameters, they, they collide between each other mm. and you have to undo what you've done before. And then you need to, that's where you need to innovate to find something that works for, for all the aspects. Mm, for sure. I mean, it's, it's a hell of a process. And uh, Stewie, for you, when you're out there jumping these things, you've got to be able to fly every different type of canopy in a, obviously a very um, high-end way in that you've got to be able to ring these canopies out. But you're going from flying, I would imagine, lar- everything from a large student canopy to a teeny little prototype Petra. Um, does that get um, difficult to be going back and forth? Or do you guys have it set that you're, nope, we're only testing this canopy for this amount of time. Like as a pilot, uh, a lot of times we're only allowed to fly one particular type of aircraft so that we don't mix our shit up, you know? And so <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I yeah. can't, it's, it's gotta be challenging. Well, that's where Snelly comes in. He gets to jump all the student canopies, so that's wonderful for me. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. So we, it, it's quite funny actually. When when you first, it's like when you first start skydiving, you don't want to jump. You know, as you downsize, you want to jump the small stuff. And with test jumping, it was sort of the same. Um, but now I quite enjoy jumping something a bit bigger, a bit more docile. Um, but on a on any given day, um, we'll go out. So say Snelly and myself will go out, and we. Because uh, currently I'm the only one who can actually jump like a new prototype of a Petra, um, I, I will tend to focus on those if we have them. But if we're jumping, um, say, let's just say like a mid-range sort of prototype non-cross brace, um, and we've got a couple of them in, in multiple sizes, Snelly and I will will do some jumps on them, get our feedback. But it's nice to swap as well because my perspective isn't the only perspective that's important. and it's really good to get Snelly's inside as well, because one of the things actually that is, uh, I kind of, I guess that we, that I think about for myself is I, I love going fast. You know, I'm a competition jumper as well and a swooper. So I just want everything to go super quick, but that's not what we need from everything. Mm. So Snelly's input is really, really good because he might see things that, um, that I might, just assume sometimes that you know that's obvious or and it's not not like i'm i'm missing things it's just two different perspectives so sure um snelly comes out you know we we tend to try and when we are jumping go out so snelly comes out and and we'll have two prototypes we'll do a couple jumps and we might um change but we do it is a little bit odd changing from like on the same day jumping a petra uh and then jumping (laughs) a, a 149 but if I'm honest, if, if that Petra's not going well, it's bloody nice to get on the 149. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Now, I actually had one other question, too, and I don't know if any of you guys have been involved with uh, uh, designing and production of tandem canopies. Snelly. Well, I, I was going to say, I've not been involved in, like, the, the original tandem uh, design was well before my time uh, at Aerosports, but um, uh, after the... I guess the world started opening up after the pandemic. Like we had a, a real period of like, it, it's almost like every tandem order in the system just disappeared. And we were mm. like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, the, the, there's no tandem jumping happening. Uh, 
but I mean, man, that's come back with a vengeance. Like mm. we we're getting so many orders for tandem canopies right now, which is awesome. Um, obviously, it means the world's getting back to it, and, and so many more people are getting to experience skydiving. Sure. Um, but yeah, like where the the tandem is definitely built like a workhorse for sure. Um, oh yeah, I mean that's the majority of my skydives were taking people on tandems, um, and I've jumped your guys' canopies quite a bit and absolutely loved them. They put me down on the beach in Paihia many a time with a smile on my face. Thank fuck, because <laughs> uh, that beach is pretty damn thin. Uh, but uh, um, is there any thought, or has there been any thought in um, trying to change up or advance the design of those canopies, or is it just such a good working canopy that you're leaving well enough alone? Yeah, yeah, of course, uh, there's always thought about um, advancing any of our products. And uh, the Tandem has been around for a long time, actually. Mm. I, it was designed before my time by Jaro. Um, so, yeah, we, we are making prototypes and we are, um, we are um, trying to, we are trying different things. Uh, and actually, uh, the Tandem is the only canopy I've been involved with uh, as a test jumper really <laughs> as a passenger <laughs> i was gonna ask when it comes to test jumping a tandem canopy do you have an instructor just jumping out with a weight bag on his front or are you actually putting another person uh, and that just answered the question how was that that was terrifying <laughs> and uh, now we, we're trying to move on to other other solutions um because well, if you if you're trying something um, like a really small modification, you can have it jumped with uh, with anyone as a passenger, mm. and because you just want to try the slider a few centimeters shorter or something. But if you want to do something uh, innovative, uh, it's really hard to find passengers. So you'll have to get two test jumpers um, at the same time, and so we're trying. To, to move to different things and to design the tenant prototypes as uh, small as we can so they can be used with a sandbag as um, as a weight and to and to get to the same kind of wing loading we're looking at but with a canopy that is actually um, more in the 250 range okay yeah. okay. Um yeah, so we actually, that does make us sound pretty bad. Also, I just want to touch on the point there, Julian, how he's nervous jumping a tandem as a passenger, and it's a tandem prototype. What's going to, it's like a student canopy, and he's firing out these Petras with issues on line sets. Thanks, mate. Um, <laughs> what a guy. You it's chose your job, Chris. <laughs> I chose my job, that's right. Uh, but we do, we do actually have a... A system now a harness in place for the for the tandem stuff because like julian said when it, we can't find like chucking two chest jumpers test jumpers is one thing but also we we want to have that um that option to when you are jumping the canopy you you get to focus on it and there's no other variable and obviously a person is another variable that we can we can do without yeah absolutely i mean that's the biggest question mark in every tandem i've ever taken is what the student's gonna do um yeah. whether it's an experienced jumper or not you just don't know it's another human being strapped to you so now as we're, we're i think we're we're rolling just a little over an hour now um and i still want to know what what do you guys think the future holds is there anything you guys can talk about that's in the works or an idea or something that's like, can you whet people's appetites on what might be coming? Build them up, Julian. 
What are we working on, buddy? I'll leave this one to you. <laughs> well, the, um, the pandemic disturbed us a little bit in production, as uh, Chris uh, Snell was saying before. Um, so, and at the moment, we cannot test jump uh, because of the lockdown, mm. but we are really pumped up and we, we're really looking forward uh, for the end of December and January. It's gonna be the um, it's gonna be the summer in New Zealand, and we have a lot of ideas we wanna we wanna test, and hopefully it will lead to a lot of new products uh, in the next year or the next couple of years. So um, it's been a bit quiet this year, and but we're really excited, and we we're working on many different projects. I think we mentioned the the Petra two. Um, <laughs> we we have had the um, the Anna. Um, in, in as a project for for a while now uh, we are working on tandems uh, we're working on on many different things i have no idea what will come on the market uh, first and when but we are really looking forward to this summer in new zealand and to do as many test jumps and try as many things as we can Brian, hopefully you guys are able to get as much as you want out of it i know that uh, especially when it comes to the performance stuff I cannot envision myself seeing something that's going to fly at a higher level than the Petra already does. And it kind of redefined uh, uh, canopy piloting when it came out. I can't even imagine what comes next. So, because I already have to turn away or squint half of the time I'm watching uh, people swooping these canopies because they're so fast. So I can't imagine what comes next. I can't. Well, that's what's awesome with swooping is that it's um, the performance is open. It's infinite. You can always go f uh, further. You can always go faster. Uh, it's a bit different from classic accuracy. When when you do zero, you cannot really do much better. Right. Um, swooping, we we hope to to break again the 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 two hundred meters barrier, <laughs> uh, and 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 then we 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 can keep going to two fifty or more. In, so, re in regard to those, um, have you, I mean, obviously you put the canopy out and, and um, were pleasantly surprised at just how well it's done, uh, but have you watched these guys that come in and seen them do something that you just never expected to get more performance out of it? Because I've seen some of the strangest shit I've ever thought I would see. <laughs> in harnesses being done to get that extra little bit of speed or that little bit more distance. I mean, are you, are you watching what these guys are doing and kind of adjusting with that as well? Um, I don't know if you, you talking about the mutant maybe, uh, or, or, well, or just not even, not even that. The first time I saw someone with their chest strap undone and the only thing that was in the top half of their harness were their wrists, because <laughs> they're leaning so far forward and then of course the mutant harness that they're doing that and i mean it just the little things that the jumpers do to innovate to be able to get more performance out of the stuff that you're designing is it's mind-blowing it really is yeah it's an, it's a good indicator of um of where we can improve as well um because these jumpers um stewie is one of them but the we are sponsoring many other people. They do so many jumps and they do them on a swoop pond uh, with a consistency that is uh, mind blowing. So they can compare really small variations. And so they can really guide us uh, to, to, to know where we can improve. 
um, that doing this really improved my swoop. So uh, that this can give us an idea about what to do on a canopy. Nice, nice. Well, I mean, I, I'm my I'm just consistently blown away at at what you guys have been able to do and put out, especially considering. When I started jumping in for the first half of my time in the career, there was no such thing as NZ Aerosports. You guys are, in my mind, you guys are still the new kids on the block and you're on the podium every damn time. So I'm, I'm just, yeah, it's impressive. Now I'm going to turn it over to you, Chris, to tell everybody how they find out about all things NZ Aerosports and how they follow you guys individually. Yeah, so um, if you want to follow any of the NZ Aerosports stuff, you can follow us on our Facebook page, it's Icarus Canopies by NZ Aerosports, and then um, the same on Instagram. Uh, and then we, we, we are, with, our, with ramping up over summer, we're going to be hopefully pumping out a lot more R&D content. So we'll get to tease you guys and show you a bit more of what we're doing behind the scenes. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, myself, if you want to follow me, you can find me on Instagram too. Um, Snelly, I'm not sure if he wants to give us his handle or anything like that. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm actually one of those boring people that just writes status updates like stay home again because of a pandemic and uh, <laughs> <laughs> that kind of shit. So it's really not that interesting, but the fun right. stuff's on, uh, on the Aerosports page. So. Okay, yeah. so follow NZ Aerosports and Stewie. <laughs> yeah, Man, that sounds good to me. Let's go. Fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. Oh, any uh, uh, any last points to get out before we uh, sign off, there, gentlemen? Um, well, thanks for yeah. having us. Thanks, absolutely. For us. And I think, yeah, and I think, um, yeah, I, I know for everyone listening, you want us to pump out things as 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 quickly as we can, but it's just like the dragons in the Game of Thrones for those first few seasons. It's coming. It's just going to take a little <laughs> minute. But it's coming. <laughs> yeah, awesome. We want to do it too. <laughs> yeah. And Stewie, my only other request is that you keep giving me awesome intros to put at the beginning of the podcast because i think they like your intros more than they like hearing me talk about most of this stuff oh yeah yeah uh yeah we can come maybe we can come up with one together for the next one there you go we'll do something fun little collab well gentlemen i know we're we're all over the planet on this one we got some up early some in the evening and me way past my bedtime but thank you guys so much for joining me it was fun and and i i love finding out all this shit that i have literally zero knowledge of and especially when it comes to the production of the canopy and what goes into making our sport go the way it goes man this was fantastic awesome thank you dane pleasure thank you all right guys have a great one see ya cheers And there you go. Another episode of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void in the Can brought to you, as always, by, that's right, NZ Aerosports. Fuck yeah. Brought to you by Summit Parachute Systems. Head to summitparachutesystems.com. You can check out the badass pilot rigs that Jarrett Martin and the family are cranking out over there, as well as the incredible rigging courses that Jarrett gives. As for me, I am the fucking pilot. Head to thefuckingpilot.net or theprincesspilot.com where you can find links to all the previous podcasts and both the books. We'll see you next time.